Well, folks, welcome to the Nobleman Podcast, episode number 33. Our title for today is The Nobleman Leads Himself, and this is our first uh, installment in a series that we're talking about The Nobleman Leads Well. So today we're going to talk about The Nobleman Leads Himself, then we're going to talk about The Nobleman Leads His Wife, leads his family, and ultimately leads in the church. But today I have as a guest Carlos Santiago, who is a writer and content developer for Family Life. So, Carlos, welcome to the show, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, hi, thank you. Um, well, um, happily married for uh, 25 years, um, 47 years old, I have two kids. Uh, one's a 19-year-old daughter, and the other is a 17-year-old son. So we are quickly approaching the empty nest phase. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, actually happy that I, I like my wife because we're spending a lot more time together. Uh, even without COVID, we're spending a lot more time together. The kids are out of the house a lot more. Um, I used to work uh, for Wall Street banks uh, in technology before God called me into marriage ministry back in 2008. Uh, after that, I, I went back to school and got my degrees um, in, uh, in marriage counseling and psychology and in pastoral counseling. Um, and then... Uh, did some counseling for a little while and then became a missionary with family life about five years ago. And, and then, as you said, I now I'm on the content team, primarily uh, working on, on articles and, and new version of Bible reading plans. Wow. So many of you out there who pay attention to family life content, you listen to the radio broadcast or the podcast, uh, you read the articles, you plug in, you guys have a new app, I think too, that carries a lot of your content. Is that correct? Yes, yes, we had we had uh, an old app. We just rolled out a new version of it. Um, we're excited about that. Uh, we, we have a lot of podcasts on that app as well, right. and and we're trying to figure out exactly um, what cool content we can put on there. So it's 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 kind of cool. If you haven't downloaded it, download it and uh, know that it's new 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 additions are being added all the time. So yeah, it's, it's very dynamic. What's going on at Family Life now? You are in Little Rock, but. We'll be transitioning to Orlando with their move, I think, in sometime in the not too distant future. Yes, yes, uh, we will be. Uh, so I guess about seven, eight months down from now, we will be heading down to Florida. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, so we're our theme for this this uh, series is the nobleman leads well, and I, I go back to. The name Noble Warriors, we got the word noble because I was reading Isaiah chapter 32 devotionally, and verse 8 says, But the noble man le makes noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. Mm -hmm. And so, man, I thought, wow, when, when you see the same word three times in one verse, that is significant. And so I stopped and just kind of camped there, and I, I knew that our Turn, or other word was going to be warriors, and so we ended up with noble warriors. So um, I like to ask guys, when you hear the term noble man, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you think of noble manhood or noble men? Mm. Yeah, I, I think it, it's an interesting word. I think when I when I think of something noble, I think the first word that comes to my mind is selfless. Mm. So I, I would... I think of a, a noble man is is a man who's going to spend his life in the service of others. That could be his wife and kids or, or complete strangers, but it's it's somebody who who's not thinking about himself primarily. Yeah. So so selfless, others focused. Good. That's and and we see that uh, certainly in Christ, and that is something for us to emulate that that type of living. Now uh, the noble man leads well. So tell me what's your definition of leadership? What does leadership mean to Carlos Santiago? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's probably a million books written on, on yeah. that topic, and I am certainly no expert on that, but I, I think uh, a good leader is going to do a couple of things. I think, one, he's going he's gonna to show people by his example um, how things should be done, you know, what, what the standard should be. And, and then he's also going to inspire them so that they actually want to try to achieve it. Um, you know, give them a, a vision for the future that's better than than what exists today, and and kind of coach people along and help them help them go there. Um, and I think you know Jesus did that for us. Uh, he gave us perfect examples of what it meant to to live it, and but then he also showed us a a, a vision of something better than what yeah. we had. Yeah, I think you've defined fatherhood there too. Um, noble uh, selflessness and leadership, investing in others and wanting them to move further. Um, and understand more. And so, boy, that uh, 
that resonates with me. And and so just to give you listeners some background, um, I read an article that caught my attention. I've got a copy of it sitting sitting here in front of me. The title of it is How to Raise a Boy to Be a Man. And we had already mapped out that this series of the podcast was going to focus on the noble man leads well. And the first place that a, that a man needs to lead is himself. Um, I, uh, we often in men's discipleship, men's ministry in the local church, our target is a guy who's married and has a couple of kids. He's in his mid to late 30s and or older. And so that's the guy that we think about. Um, but really, men's discipleship and our investment in men has to start way before that. Uh, because we need to recognize that leadership is developed before you get married. Some of those skills really need to be developed before you get married. So when I saw this this blog post, I thought, wow, well, Carlos, is, his endeavor to teach his son is really setting up what every man should be focused on in terms of how he leads himself. So Carlos, how did you come to write this article? And we're going we're gonna to delve into the topics that you cover here because I think they're so critical to this idea. But what prompted you to write this? Well, you know, I, I've, I've been in the marriage ministry space for a little while now and um, done a lot of counseling with people. And, and I've just really come to realize how critical manhood is and the role of a man and the yeah. role of a husband. And, you know, where I would have um, couples where the, the husband stepped up and, and took responsibility for the state of their marriage or for the behavior of the kids or, you know, the outcomes were a hundred percent better right. than when I was just dealing with the, the wife alone. Um, and so I see this, this deficit out there, like how critical it is. And then on the other hand, it just seems like manhood is under attack everywhere right. you go. Um, and you ask guys, to you know, give me an example. Who who in your life was a a man that you could look up to? And half of the time, I ask that question, I get a blank stare. Yep. Like people don't have those examples readily available, and then the few examples we do have are getting torn down as if they're they're promoting or preaching some outdated, bad you know philosophy out there. So I I, I just really felt like we had to do something to to give guys a roadmap. Yeah. Um, to, you know what? These are some things you that are important and that you need to start teaching your kid early um, and that they, they can be taught early. These aren't things that you have to wait until you, you grow up to figure out. As a matter of fact, you're at a deficit if you don't learn these things early. Um, it, it sounds like we've got similar experiences. You're probably familiar with the MOPS ministry, Mothers of Preschoolers. Yes. I, I, I've spoken at lots of MOPS groups around our region in, in Virginia. And one of the things I hear from those young mothers is, I, I'm tired and I wish my husband would lead our family. So mm -hmm. there is this deep desire in her heart and life to see her husband step up and take some initiative, take some ownership for uh, leading the family. And so then I will often talk to the guys because I'll, I'll, I'll do couples events with these, with these young couples. And I hear exactly what you've heard. Guys will say, I feel that tension. I feel like I'm missing something, that I should be doing something, but I've never seen it done well, and I'm not sure how to start. So there is this void there, and it breaks my heart that that's not just a void in the culture. This is a void in the church because I don't think we are doing an adequate job of teaching these things to young men, to boys, casting vision for what manhood looks like, and investing in these guys, helping them to lead well in their homes. Yeah. Uh, would you concur with that? <laughs> I would absolutely concur with that, yes. Yeah. You know, I just as an exercise, this is going to sound a little terrible, but I, I guess in COVID things are a little bit different, but I would walk down the preschool hall in our church, and I would see moms, young moms, wrestling with two or three kids, trying to get them off where they needed to be, and dad's leaning up against the wall in the hallway, checking yesterday's scores on their phone. And I'm thinking, holy cow, engage here. Be part of what's going on. Don't leave her with all of this weight on her shoulders. And so I, I know that may be a slap in the face, guys, but um, we do need to wake up. And, and you can't lead your family well. I think part of what Carlos said there just a moment ago was that when – he began to invest in men when he has men that get it and they start to move forward, then it changes the dynamics of the family rapidly.
Yes. So so we need to do that. So this this article that he's written, uh, he gives nine characteristics that he was sharing with his son about raising a son to be a man. And uh, so I just I want to go through some of these and just let's talk about them and chop it up a little bit. So number one, if you're trying to raise a boy to be a man, I hope these principles help raise a boy who fears the Lord. Why do we start there? Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> I yep. mean, I, yeah, I, too often um, I, I go to churches even, and I hear people trying to downplay the word fear the Lord as if that's a bad thing. Um, we, we're scared of saying fear the Lord, but I'm sorry, we need to fear the Lord. Right. He's all powerful. In, in, in the face of that kind of power, that is the only position you can have is to have a fear. Now he's good. Right. So you don't have to fear him. Like, like I'm going to fear this bad guy who's going to hurt me, but you can have a respect, a holy respect for him. And if we don't start there, I don't see the, how you have the basis for anything, any kind of morality or anything else in life. Yeah. You know, it makes me think about the Chronicles of Narnia when the, the children are visiting the beaver and they're talking about Aslan um, and I think Mrs. Beaver says that, uh, is talking about Aslan being ferocious or something. I'll, I'll mess this up. I know. And what the girl says, is he safe? And Mrs. Beaver says, oh dear, he's definitely not safe, but he is good. So you just spoke to that. I mean, it's, it's this power that is for us. Uh, and, and so we should stand in awe of that. Well, how, how do you teach your son? You've got an 18-year-old, 17-year-old son. How do you teach your son to fear the Lord? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, when he was younger, it started simple uh, mm -hmm. with, with just observing God in nature and, and his strength and his power and the waves and, and lightning and thunder and all of that kind of stuff. But then as as he grew older, it really had to do with, giving him real examples from my life yeah. where God did something powerful. Um, and he, one of the, one of the stories that was very foundational for our kids was our nine 11 story. So I, you know, I, I used to work in, I was in, I was a New Yorker my whole life and worked in one world trade center. And, you know, we had this story where God, the month before the towers, you know, were attacked, right. I was removed from my office and moved to a different office. And there was this whole big thing where I didn't want to go. And I was upset. And I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to stay because it's more convenient. And somebody at work said, hey, you know what? Did you ever pray about this decision? And I was like, what? why would I pray about it? Of course, God's going to want me to not move. Right. <laughs> but I stopped and I prayed. And uh, at the end of the whole thing, I remember saying, it's like, who knows? God knows the future. You know, some the building might blow up. And and he wants me out. And then, you know, that happened. So I tell this story to the kids right. and they're, you know, wow, God is powerful. He knows the future, but he protected you. And, you know, the little things like that, I mean, that was a big one, but sure. other elements and moments in my life where I saw God's power, just give them an example so that they see it. Because um, reading a story in scripture is one thing, but if they can see God working in your own life, they, that, they, don't, they never forget that. Yeah, it's got to become tangible, doesn't it? They have to see it, feel it, smell it, taste it, experience it firsthand. And and I love the fact that you process that together and you, you look back. Because one of the things that I know in our life and as being on mission, raising support and those things, the, the way we have seen God provide for our family— and meet our needs and open doors and create opportunities is just mind boggling. And so part of what we do is remind each other of the goodness of God. And I tell folks, you've, you've got to have that rearview mirror so you can look back and see how God's been faithful so that you have confidence to move forward when you don't know what the future looks like. Um, so that's, that's awesome. And then so as men, you're talking about raising a son, but as as grown men, you know, I'm I'm 52. You're in your late 40s. Other guys may be listening to this who are in their 30s or or at different ages. How do we remind each other to live in this way where we fear the Lord? What what does that look like? Well, I think I think you you nailed it on the head when you said remind each other. Um, we need to be in community. We need to have some other guys. We need to have a wingman who's going to be living life with us and and helping us do this. 
if we don't, we, we won't, we, we just will not, we'll forget. We'll forget God. We'll forget. We'll start to think that we're in charge and we've got things under control that, you know, the job we have, the status in life that we have, that we did that, our skill did that. Um, but no. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Wh- what do you do with scenarios? Because here's, here's a tough question for you. God moved you out of one World Trade Center and preserved your life. He mm-hmm. did not do that for everyone. Yeah. So how do you how, how do you reconcile that? What kinds of conversations? I, I mean, have you guys talked about that? That some some are spared, some are not. Um, boy, it's and it's still the same God. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that the kids never really wrestled much with that one. That one I wrestled with a lot. Sure. Um, to wonder, you know, well, okay, God, why? <laughs> because there were a lot of really good people um, godly people that were, that were killed. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, um, God, God is good even when bad things happen. Yeah. And we have to remember that, uh, he doesn't promise us a life that is free of trouble and, um, and pain. Uh, he promises to walk with us, and he promises to to stay with us for eternity. If we if we're with him, you know he's he's going to give us a glory in heaven one day. So even though it is tragic in the moment, those types of events, we have to think of it in terms of eternity. And it's it's a blip on the on the radar in 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 terms of life and time now versus an eternity with God later. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he is sovereign through all of that. I tell you, as, as we're processing this, it makes me think about uh, Daniel when uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the furnace, and, and they said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, our God will save us, but even if he doesn't, he is still God. Yes. And so to have that, even if he doesn't do what I want him to do uh, and, and meet my desires, he's still God. And so that's part of this, having this fear of the Lord, this awesomeness, Awesome respect for him. So, wow. Well, let's let's move to the next one. Understands his heart. What does it mean for a man to understand his heart? And how do you how do you deal with that? How did you teach that to your son? Yeah, I I think that's a that's an important one, especially today with with such a, a divided nation that we have. Um, right. Everyone's willing to you know ready to point a finger at the other guy because you know you don't believe this and you don't care about these people and you don't care about this and it's so easy to forget that every sin that's out there exists in my own heart. Right. I could be any of those people. I can do any evil thing if it wasn't for, you know, the power of Christ working in me, (laughs) keeping me from those things. Um, So I think it's incredibly important for people to understand their own heart. And I think you just got to be honest. You got to, you got to expose the junk that's in there uh, we all have stuff and we have stuff that we don't let other people know about. Right. Some things people know about because it's easy for them to see and other things, you know, we're, we're pretty good at hiding and, and getting away with. Um, but we have to kind of make it a practice to, to expose that to some safe people, not to necessarily the whole world, but you gotta, you gotta let it out. Otherwise God can't heal it if you're, if you're hiding it. So I think just making a practice of, of having people where you can confess things to, helps you understand your heart and it it gives you compassion for other people when they fall. Right. So let me ask you this. This is challenging. So when you're talking about that with your son, how did you expose your heart to him? What did, what did confession look like as you talk to your son? Um, What can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, You know, it's, it's always age appropriate because yep. the kids, what, what they can handle at different ages is different, but wherever you can, uh, you know, I've tried to, I've tried to show them that I wasn't always perfect. You right. know, I tell them stories about things I did in high school and mischief I got into and um, sneaking around and, and things like that and, and lies that I would tell. And I told them, I just, I just told them about it. And the, the interesting thing is it, it didn't have the response that you might think you might right. think that you tell your kid this, they're going to say, Oh my goodness, great. Now I can go off and do X, Y, Z. But if you tell them young enough before they're really interested in (laughs) considering doing X, Y, Z, they look at it and say, Oh, wow, 
dad, that was, that was bad. You should have done that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I, you're right. I didn't get it. I, I didn't know. And, and I would explain, you know, I came to Christ at this age, but I didn't know that yet. It took me a while before God revealed that that was some, a way I shouldn't live. And then I, I changed a little bit. And then a few years later, I changed a little bit more and now I'm me, but you know what? You're still young and you're going to mess up too. And yeah. you're going to do really bad things. And I'm not going to hate you for it. I'm, it's You're going to do dumb things. <laughs> well, and it gives us an opportunity to talk about the temptations that we're going to face and whether or not you give in to the temptations or you have some sort of strategic plan to uh, avoid those temptations. I mean, that's that's huge. And I was this one conversation or a series of conversations? No, it's it's a series. It's when it's it's you look for opportunities. Um, it's got to be natural as 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 conversations come up, as life happens. If you see a moment to share something that can teach them something you, you do. And and if you do it multiple times and it's a habit, right, then when they fall, it's easier. Like I, I had a, a, a moment with our son where, you know, we had had conversations about pitfalls and traps that you could potentially fall into. And then there was a moment where he fell into a particular trap. And, um, you know, there was this confession moment where, you know, I, I'm talking to him about it. And it's like, you know, hey, you, you, what happened? And he's like, I fell in the trap. Yeah. You know, and, and we had a we had a language and a way to deal with it. And I was going to like, say, you've like, got a vocabulary here. You've got some terms that you can use to have real conversation because it's meaningful to you. Mm hmm. That's huge. And, so, you know, so it just makes me pause and want to say to you, young dads out there, first of all, you've got to do this battle for yourself. You've got to understand your own heart. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But have real conversations with your kids early on. Talk about real issues and be genuine with them. I, you know, to be quite honest with you, I, I'll just step into this. Guys, if every conversation is about sports or video games or, or some recreational thing, you may be missing some critical opportunities to have real conversations that set you up. Because I know lots of guys who would love to have deep relationships with their 16-year-old son, but the seeds are planted for those relationships and those conversations when those kids are five and six years old. And mm -hmm. and so you just need to recognize that you begin this process and you have to work at it um, and be intentional with it. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. And, I, and I'll also say that, um, you know, a lot of this has to do with the relationship that you have with their mom. Yeah. <laughs> it, it takes um, it takes two to do this. And you really have to get on the same page together to do this this parenting work, because if 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 you're not on the same page, this is a lot harder. Yeah. So as it now if we stretch this out and talk about adult men, you and me and and other folks, we still need to understand the the depravity of our own hearts and the 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 intention of our heart to lead us away. So how does Carlos guard his heart even today? Yeah, um, like I think I mentioned before, you know, having wingmen, yeah. uh, it, it's it's critical. Um, you know, most of my the biggest growth I've ever had spiritually has been the result of a few guys that I have. You know, they're my guys, and I can talk to them, and we meet regularly. And um, I, when I'm going through something, I can I can confess it, and and I can have people challenge me, and they 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 know enough about my life where even if I keep my mouth shut, they can look and and say, hey, you know what? How are you doing here? Yeah, <laughs> that that comment you made sounded a little funny. Is something going on? Right. Um, and then you got to give each other permission to pry a little bit. That's big permission to pry. That's a big deal. So, and I think about having Nathans in our lives that have the permission and the wherewithal, the courage to ask us hard questions. You know, last uh, in September, our theme for the Nobleman pod podcast was the Nobleman Walks in Sexual Integrity. One of the questions we asked is, have you ever told your uh, sexual integrity story to another man? Mm. Um, and it was really interesting to hear, read the responses. I mean, we asked yes or no, but then a lot of guys expanded upon that and told us about sharing their story and and one of the things that happens with that is when you bring light into dark corners of your life 
Satan has to flee. The darkness flees, and all of a sudden, it doesn't have the power that it had before. And so I just think about even with our sons, and I, I can tell the way you, you're cautious with words here. We need to be able to have candid conversations with our, our sons at age-appropriate times of what we've dealt with, how we've dealt with temptation, what our struggles have been, when we've fallen into traps or what have you. And, um, boy, that just makes life so real. It, it's crazy for me as a father of a 25-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a 19-year-old to be able to talk to my sons on the phone and say, hey, how are you doing with your purity battle? And I, you know what? I, guys, my sons say, thanks for asking, Dad. Thanks for asking. And I, I just got to tell you the richness of that. Now, I have to swallow hard when I do that because it's not an easy question. It's a question I don't want to ask sometimes. But the richness of that type of relationship is crazy. And we need that with other guys, these wingmen. But part of teaching them and raising our sons is demonstrating that in our own lives so that they see that and then they have a desire. They know the value of having other men in their lives. Fair statements there or comments for that? Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> yes, you preach it. Our heart wants something different. And listen, it doesn't just have to be sex, guys. You you have to recognize that your heart is going to pers- want material possessions. Your heart is going to be prideful and want to cap capture you and take you to places and and waste time do all kinds of things take the easy road um and so we have to guard against that um and you know i being in the word investing in that investing in these relationships with other men that makes all the difference in this journey so yeah it's a battle worth fighting yeah, I think I would also also say like those conversations you gotta you, you earn you earn the right to have those conversations by having a lot of spending a lot of time together. So yeah. if, if the only time you're calling up your son is to ask him, hey, how's your sexual purity going? It's not going to be well. No. So you you have to have earned that and get some capital, spend spend time with his life and and just talk about things he wants. Yeah, you so, know what? I'll I'll make a comment about this. I just um, there's a pastor friend who lives in California who posted on Facebook today that uh, he looked out the window of their house and there was this big crane that was doing something and his boys were looking at this crane. So he loaded up his kids who were probably like five and seven and took them in the car and they just went and sat in the car and watched this crane work. And quite honestly, I'm kind of mesmerized by those things myself still. And so I look for those opportunities, but man, to just go and have fun and be together um, doing whimsical things creates the moments and the depth of relationship that give you opportunity to have rich conversations down the road. So find those cool ways to invest time in your kids, dads. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Ask for help. Ask for help is the next one there. How, how do how do you teach your young men how to do that? Yeah, that was that that that's hard because we don't like to ask for help. Um, so I, I figured the best way I could I could show my son that is to take him with me to my men's group. I figured, you know what, I'm tr- I'm training you to be a man. Yeah. Um. So what's the best way for you to see? Let you see some men. So uh, you know, he's nine years old, and I brought him along to the men's group, and I didn't ask for permission. I just did it, and all the guys were looking at me like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, you know, <laughs> but they they welcomed him, and it was it was great, and um, they got to he got to see what real men struggle with and got to hear their prayer requests. And, and um, then we'd get back in the car and some things he understood and some things he didn't understand. And, but uh, it gave us opportunity and he, he saw that we need help. Yeah. Wait a minute. These guys, these old guys, they need help still with, with this and with that. And Hmm. Okay. Maybe, maybe asking for help isn't so bad. Right. You know, so when you took him there, did he feel like he was a man in the midst of that? Oh yeah. Well, he 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 would he would get like taller. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he felt really he was really really proud to be a part of that. He's like, I'm going to Iron Man. You know, that was the name of the <laughs> Iron Man. You know, and uh, so he he loved it, but he 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 kept quiet. He wasn't like 
trying to impose his position on it. He just sat and listened. He didn't say anything really, um, but he he loved it. And then uh, when the group ended uh, for the season, we continued and I would just take him on Saturday mornings and we'd just go ride bikes and go to the park. And I'm like, okay, we're doing our own Ironman right now. And we'd read some scripture and talk and it was, oh, he loved it. That's huge. So you're, I mean, you, just like you said, you see a young man grow into that. And, you know, again, I just have to say to you guys that are out there listening, hear the value of this. Take him to be part of the community of men while he is still enamored with it. Because if you try to start that when he's 15 or 16, He's already established some norms and some thought patterns in his life that are going to say, Dad, I don't want to do that. It's a bunch of old guys. But while he still thinks you are always right and all powerful, take him to be part of those conversations because it will it will transform him really and make him see something that he he'll see it differently at nine than he would at 15. Is Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And all of this stuff, you really got to start earlier than you think. Yeah. You know, I've even had conversations with him when he would have fights with his sister and, and, and I would use them as teaching points for one day when you're a husband. Right. And you have a similar problem with your wife. This is how I'm going to want you to, you know, how to handle it. And he's like, this is my sister. Why are you talking? I'm not married. <laughs> but you got to start training them early. And I call that casting vision for a time when they will be leading a family, loving a wife, serving in the church. I mean, I, I think we miss the opportunity to call them up to something beyond where they are right now. And so that's exactly what you're doing there. You're casting vision for a time that he can't even imagine right now, but you can. And boy, as I as I think about that, I think about how the Heavenly Father is teaching us in these moments about what we're going to need for the future that we can't see, but He surely does. So there's there's a part of this where fathering, in a, on a human level, is modeling uh, fathering on a spiritual level as well. Mm. So, yeah. All right, controls his emotions. Uh, guys struggle with emotions. So how, how, how do you wrestle with that? Uh, you fail and you ask for, ask for forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we had some pretty intense battles, um, growing up and, uh, thankfully now we don't really have those battles anymore, but, uh, there were some times where I was like, Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm going to kill this kid. <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, battles over homework and all those kinds of things. And, um, but, you know, there were times where, you know, my emotions would go crazy and I'm screaming and yelling and I would have to tag off and say, OK, I can't handle this anymore. Honey, you take it. You take them now. And yep. she would take them for the rest of the time until she got frustrated. Then she'd tag off and grab them. And say, OK, I can't handle them anymore. Now you take them. And so that that kind of helped a little bit. But then there were times where we went too far and I yelled too much or did something too much, you know, just kind of let my anger get away from me. And I would have to go and say, hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I did that wrong. You know, it, will you forgive me? That's huge. And but when we demonstrate that and do that with humility, it sets an example for them that they need to see uh, because they'll be reminded of that at some point. I think. Now, talk to me. Yeah, I was gonna. If you hadn't brought it up, I was gonna bring up your wife at this point. So, how does she help with this idea of raising a boy to be a man? Because it's it's really easy for moms to say you, you need to lighten up here. You're being too hard on him or something like that. How have you guys um, had conversations, maybe even compromising conversations or uh, helpful conversations about the fact that we're doing something different here? We, we've got to move him forward. Yeah, I think one of the best things we ever did was we would we would have intentional strategy meetings about the kids. Yeah. We, we, you know, and there were times when we didn't have a chance to have those strategy meetings where I had to make a decision on the fly or she had to make a decision on the fly. And, and there were decisions that maybe we both didn't agree with right. the other person did. Um, and we, we had a kind of covenant with each other that we're never going to disagree. Um, it, it's kind of like, I might not have chosen that, but your your mom said so, so therefore that's now my position. That's it. We're we are one. Yeah. And she 
she did the same thing with me. She was like, you know what? I wouldn't have done that, but I'm not, we've never let the kids come between us in sure. that. We're always unified. So that has always been helpful that, you know, if I, if I went somewhere and I said something and I, I laid down the law in some particular way, she would always support it. And then if she had a question or didn't agree or something, we'd, she'd have an offline conversation where the kids couldn't see, and then we'd decide what we would do. But um, we could get away with a lot, not having too many disagreements if we had a lot of uh, conversations in advance. Like, this is what the kid is going through. How are we going to approach this? What are we going to do if uh, he asks to go out with somebody at this time? What, what are we going to do if he wants to do this? And, you know, we kind of talk through those things. And and so, you know, the image that comes to mind is of a bank account. And so you guys have made a lot of deposits in this account where you've talked with each other about what your plans are, what your what your foundational principles are. And so then you're not going to deviate from that too far, I'm sure, even when you make independent decisions. So there's some equity there that both of you have in mm-hmm. those conversations. And so you can... Um, you can compensate for those, but the, the big win is they see mom and dad as a team and that they're going to be together. You guys are going to be on the same page no matter what. That's yep. huge. Now, I know, let me let me speak to this. I know that family life has a lot of emphasis going on with blended families, step families, um, non-traditional scenarios. So... Obviously, you and your wife can talk about this. You can work on these things. What would you say by way of encouragement to a guy who's getting to see his kids every other week or they're trading weekends or where they don't have this same level of continuity? Because there are going to be those sorts of guys that are listening in. So what encouragement can you give to those guys? Yeah, um, it is hard. Um, it, 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 I, I think sometimes in those situations, you have to play the long game. Yeah. Um, you may not have the control over the situation that you want. You may not have the influence in what the kid says and does and the, the standards, and you might ha- not have any power in that situation. Um, but, uh, you do have the power to let your kid know that you love them and that you are always there for them. And you can be transparent about your life and your character and they can see that and you can model behavior for them. And it might be that you might have to wait until they're older to really develop the relationship that you want, but that's okay. You're you're always going to be their father. Um, So if you're in that type of situation, I say, play the long game. If, if not, then, you know, you gotta, you gotta do as much as you can to just live like Christ and um, let your kids see it. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this. I, you mentioned anger as we talk about emotion, and I think this is an area where guys really struggle. Uh, let's say a guy feels discouraged. Um, there are lots of guys who are defeated in this particular season with economic challenges, jobs, and and so so forth. Um, there are lots of other emotions that guys are feeling now. How? What thoughts or ideas do you have for adult men who are just wrestling with a sea of emotions that they don't know what to do with? I guess what comes to mind is uh, the scripture that says, you know, be angry, but do not sin. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing wrong with having anger. Uh, anger itself is usually, you know, comes from seeing an injustice of some sort. And that that's part of the image of God where we're, we respond to injustices. We see something wrong. It, it gets us angry. Um, that's okay. I, it's just how we respond to it. How do we deal with it? I, you know, with my son, I would always tell him it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to be disrespectful. Right. You know, if you want to yell and scream because you have anger. That's one thing yelling and screaming at me. That's not acceptable. So let, let's figure out how you can let that out and express your anger and keep things civil. So it's, um, it's hard, but I think, um, I think finding finding ways of of expressing the anger in a healthy, respectful, godly way, um, giving it an outlet that is good, mm-hmm. and, and instead of letting it create in us uh, something where we, we we go off the rails and start uh, and and just start sinning ourselves. Yeah, and I, you know this is another thing when you're with your guys that you meet with on a regular basis. And I, I have my wise guys that I meet with on Friday mornings. Um, 
you know, a good question to ask each other is what made you angry this week or what what, you know, what went wrong this week? Uh, And being transparent with those guys about those emotions uh, can be really huge. Create some outlets there. Um, I'm going to the next one is respects authority. Guys, you can take uh, in our show notes, you'll have a link to this to this article so you can pull it up. I want to jump to takes responsibility. What does it um, what does it look like for your son to to take responsibility as he's gotten older? And then how do we leverage that with with other men, with older men, that, so that they understand what it means to take responsibility? Yeah, I think with with, with our son, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that we used to have lots of battles over homework and, and schoolwork and things like that. And he, you know, he would. He, he would forget things. He wouldn't have assignments. Assignments would be missed all the time. He was constantly making up assignments. And it got to the point where we were like, you know what? I'm not going to go drive to school to give you your homework because you forgot it. I know you spent three hours on it last night, but you're going to get whatever grade you got because you forgot it. That's right. your problem. That's not my problem. So we, we started getting tough with him, um, even to the point where at one point, he he might not have um, passed the grade, and he was. They they were talking about summer school for him, and it's like, that's not my problem. That is your problem. If you want this, you need to work for it. So we 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 let him feel the weight of his choices, and when he messed up, he was the one that had to call the teacher up and make uh, an appointment with the teacher and have a discussion with the teacher of when he could make up the the work and how he could make up the work and how he could get extra points, and he hated. The conversations conversations. there'll be tough conversations for an adult to have exactly but you know he he did it and um now we don't have those fights anymore he's right he he goes to his room he does his work and well this is another situation where probably that pressure that tension caused him to grow a couple of inches taller and mature um, mm-hmm. And as long as we coddle kids and we assume responsibility for all their stuff, then they're not going to grow. Yep. Um, so, you know, I think about this with guys, run of the mill guy out there. You might be 30 years old listening to this. You might be 60 years old. You know, what does it mean for you to take responsibility where you are for the things that God has assigned to you? Um, I, I think we... You know, I, I'll mention Robert Lewis's men's fraternity material, the definition of manhood, that accept responsibility. And so we have to recognize that God has given us responsibility for some things. As a matter of fact, I go back to, to Genesis 1, verse 28, and uh, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth, to take dominion over the earth. We all have things that we have responsibility for, and we have to accept that and take it and do the right things with it. So what does it look like for Carlos to take responsibility for your assignment in life? How how do you reconcile that? What does that look like? Yeah, um, you know, it's it's realizing that the buck stops with me. Yeah. And... um, you know, when um, when when God laid down the rules for Adam and Eve and, and they both sinned, God came back and talked to Adam about it. Um, they both felt the punishment, uh, but God spoke to Adam about it. He was the one that, that God spoke to. So it, I looked at I look at that and say, you know what, it everything that happens in my house is ultimately my responsibility. Uh, my wife's spiritual journey, that's my responsibility. Yes, it's hers, but. I'm her husband. I need to help encourage her to to have girls that are that she can talk to, and I have to encourage her to to grow in her faith and my kids' spiritual journey. That's not my mom, my wife's respond. Their mom's responsibility. It's not the wife's responsibility. That's my responsibility. She might be the one that does the bulk of the work, but right. it's my responsibility to make sure it's happening. Um, so it's it's really just looking in the mirror and realizing that it's on me. And um, does that mean you get to make all the decisions and that you're always right? <laughs> No, 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 no. Um, it, it's about it's about who's responsible for it. Yeah. It's not about who gets. It's kind of like if you're a CEO, you know, of a company, or no, better than that, you're you're the captain of a ship. You're not always driving the ship. 
there are times you're doing other things. You might be asleep in your cabin, but if that ship runs aground in the middle of the night, it's your responsibility. There you go. So it's it's about that. I, I'm my wife is highly capable and much better at way too many things than I am. Um, she 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 does a lot and she runs things a lot. And uh, if you, but the cool thing is, if you ask my kids, you know who who's the leader of the family? Right. From an early age, they would they always said me. But if you would ask the kids also who who probably gets their way more, they'd probably say my wife. Yeah. Because um, it's not about getting what I want. It's about growing my family into the image of Christ. There and whatever way that needs to happen, as long as I'm making sure that happens, then I've done my job. And that's that we go back to leadership and noble manhood. And so that means self-sacrifice. That means taking initiative. Uh, that means all those things that we talked about at the very beginning of this that we see so well modeled in Jesus Christ. So uh, absolutely. That's awesome. So I'm going to skip over a couple of more here. You've got um, don't be mastered by money. My goodness, we could talk about that for a long time. Honor women. That's a big one. Um, prepare for battle. So w- what do you mean by that? What brought that to mind? And uh, so what what are your thoughts about teaching your son to prepare for battle and what what do you have to say to the just typical guy out there regarding preparing for battle yeah i think i think that i i felt that was important again because of just the attack that masculinity has been under and um even just watching the cartoons that the kids watch now and the movies that the kids watch the heroine is oh is now the 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 leader you'll have you know a a a girl beat up 28 guys and (laughs) do all that you know guys aren't really taught that it's okay to to fight for anything right and we're scared of that and um but we need to be able to fight for things god has given us a responsibility he's given us the responsibility of other people to to take care of and if we see evil we have to fight against it we need to train them to to pray we need to train them to be wise we need to train them to protect others Um, I remember it was one time my son was on the school bus and there were kids bullying um, one of the younger grades and he just got up from the back and he stood in between. He's like, no, you're not going to do this. And he did that three days in a row. And by the fourth day, the rest of the school bus joined in and and stood in between because he led them. You know, it's it's about seeing things and and taking, stepping up and and dealing with it. And, and that can be done by guys at any age to take initiative and jump in where there is a need and meet that need. Yeah. Uh, to not sit by passively. So, uh, you know, our time's getting close here. So let me let me ask you this. As you look back over this list, did you leave out anything that you that came to mind after this that you would have added or anything that you thought of? I probably would if I would have had more more time to put in there, I would have written a whole bunch of stuff about getting a job early and the value of that and how to do it and how to train your son to write a resume and all the practical things about life that we often forget to have a checking account. How do, you know, my son knows how to trade stocks. Uh, He knows how to, he he has a checking account. Uh, You know, he's not out of school yet. He's going to get a a, a, um, credit card. You know, how do those, those practical things I think are also very, very important. That's cool. Practical skills that are going to, quite honestly, those little things, they, they're they huge to him. They seem small to us in some cases, but what that does is it gives him a significant edge over a lot of kids who are being taken care of hand and foot by their parents because it gives him a sense of independence um, and, and some confidence about who he is and what he can do. So, wow, that's, that's just really cool. Um, so, any other thoughts that you can share here about uh, that you would say to our guys, either as dads or as the typical guy, about making sure that they understand what it means to lead themselves well and having to, you got to lead yourself well before you can lead others well? Well, I guess I would just say that I, I recognize that sometimes men's ministry topics can feel depressing. Yeah. Um, feels like there's way too much on us and that we just can't do it. We, there's no way we can pull it off. Um, but I would just say, that's okay. God knows who you are. He made you, he knows what you struggle with and he died for you anyway. Yeah. 
so um, just seek after him. And, you know, I think of, I think of David, he was a man after God's own heart. It wasn't that he did everything right. He had some big famous blunders and he had anger issues and he had all kinds of problems, but he was after God's heart. He pursued God and, and scripture says, if we pursue him, we'll find him. So I think uh, just stay close to him and he'll help you with the rest. That's awesome. You know, I, I'll just piggyback on that. I'm reading Genesis 8 this morning, and it starts off like this, verse 1, but God remembered Noah, and, mm-hmm. and Noah's listed in the Faith Hall of Fame. Man, we want to live in such a way that that God is aware of us and knows us. Of course he is, but I, that just caught my attention. God remembered Noah. So, well, listen, thank you for your time. Um, we're going to put a link to your bio, um, and it— We'll certainly link to this article. We may look for some others that uh, that Carlos has written. How can we connect with your uh, devotions for the YouVersion Bible? Is best is that best through the Family Life app or what? Um, those, I think, that probably would be best to just go straight into the YouVersion um, app itself. So if you go into the Bible app or YouVersion app on your phone, and you can search for plans, you can search for Carlos Santiago, and those are the ones I've written will show up, or you can search for Family Life, and the greater, larger group of, of ones that we've produced uh, will show up there as well. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you for what you do with Family Life. Uh, we are tremendous fans, and... Um, just have had a great partnership with Family Life Ministries through the throughout the history of Noble Warriors. And so I am thankful for the work that you guys do to to help build godly marriages. So it's so much fun to meet with you and to have you on the podcast. So thanks for being with us, Carlos. I appreciate it. Thank you uh, for finding the article, and thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. Hey, uh, so guys, this is uh, going to conclude episode 33, The Nobleman Leads Himself. Tune in next week. We're going to have episode 34, The Nobleman Leads His Wife. And our guest for this is going to be Keith Tully. And some of you who are friends of Noble Warriors in this ministry have heard Keith lead workshops on marriage at our conferences. You're involved with him maybe through the Weekend Weekend to Remember teams. And so you uh, look forward to hearing Keith talk about how the nobleman leads his wife. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you, men. 